0: Today I'm gonna make a recommendation that honestly is surprising to me. My spiritual life has been deeply impacted by a spiritual practice that I looked down on for most of my life. I'm learning I am not as smart as I thought I was. Hopefully my learning can be a benefit to you. Hey friends, I'm Mark Alinchelsky and this is The Apprenticeship Way, a podcast about learning how to live life with Jesus. This is episode 20 Is memorized prayer the key you've been missing? Now, before we start, a quick reminder about the upcoming Untangled Heart Workshop in Vancouver, Washington. It's on June 1st, a little more than two weeks away. I'm collaborating with a good friend, Byron Kaler, a trauma therapist who is also uh, an incredible presenter. It's a one-day event, and it is really practical, helpful, life-changing stuff. It will change the way you relate to your emotions and the emotions of the people around you. And honestly, that means it changes everything about the way you live your life. Now, more than half the tickets are gone. So if you want to get in on this, if you're in the Vancouver, Portland area, or you can get there, head over to the link in the show notes for more information or to register. I'm certain that this day will be really helpful for you and I'd love to meet you there. All right. Now on to our conversation today. Is memorized prayer the key you've been missing? When Jesus met with his close friends for the last time in the upper room, he told them a bunch of important things. This passage is really rich and deep and full of all kinds of things that we need. The guidance that Jesus was giving them was what they would need for the life that was coming. They had been walking with Jesus. He'd been there with them tangibly in the room. Following Jesus wasn't a difficult thing. How are they going to follow Jesus when he wasn't there in the flesh with them? Well, that's a lot like our experience, right? One of those things that Jesus told them was this. The focus of their lives, the goal for how they were going to live day by day, was to abide. His words... I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is our goal, to abide. Uh, Some translations say to remain. Sometimes this is called the abiding life. Uh, Sometimes it's called abiding in Christ. The Apostle Paul referred to it in shorthand, just saying that we are in Christ. Whatever you call it, this is what we're shooting for. But how do we do it? How do we abide? I mean, For most of my life, this has been an entirely abstract idea. Theological, right? Something that I assumed maybe just happened automatically for really holy people, but not something that I had access to. Not with my busy life, working and parenting and taking care of the house and managing all of my commitments. I mean, where was there room in all of that for something as luxurious and restful as abiding? Well my experience of this has changed completely in this series i'm building up towards sharing something with you i want to share with you a practice that has had more impact on my spiritual life than anything in the past five years this little practice that i'm going to teach you has opened up the doorway to living with a more frequent sense of the divine in my life it's allowed me to be more present both to the people around me and and I think to God. I think it's really allowed me to experience abiding in Christ, not as an abstraction or a theological idea, but an actual real lived experience. But before I can share that with you, there's some groundwork we have to lay. I, I need to make a case. Now first, we already abide. It's something our minds and hearts do naturally. Now, you might be saying, wait, wait, I don't, I don't abide, I don't feel very zen, I don't think I'm abiding in Christ, that's not my day-to-day experience, what do you mean? I know, I, I feel exactly the same way, but see, here's the thing, abiding is something we already naturally do, we just don't naturally abide in Christ. Here's what I mean, whatever thoughts we allow to occupy our minds, that's where we're abiding. So what fills our minds and draws our attention? that is where we're abiding. Minds that are filled with worry or anxiety or control, that's where we're abiding. Minds that are focused entirely on the kids and making sure their lives turn out successfully, or the retirement fund and getting it to that certain level, or remodeling the house, or advancing our career. Wherever our minds are occupied, that's where our thoughts are resting. That's where we're abiding. Whatever we allow our minds to settle on, we're abiding there. So we already know how to abide. The trick is that most of these thoughts that we're having, they are intentional. We don't summon them up. They just come. They just happen. They, They pass through our consciousness. And some of those thoughts come easier than other thoughts. Now, for me, worry and anxiety are much easier thought patterns for me to fall into than optimism and joy. Why is that? Well, Part of the reason certain patterns of thought are easier to fall into is that they are largely the result of mental habits. Just like with any other kind of habit, certain kinds of thoughts become easier and more natural the more we practice them. Have you ever considered that? That when you are thinking thoughts, you are practicing having that kind of thought, and in the future, it's going to be easier for you to have that kind of thought? Many maybe even most, of the thoughts that float through our minds every day are the result of mental habits rather than consciously chosen thoughts. We're all carrying around a lifetime worth of these mental habits, and these mental habits cause our mind to focus, to come to rest on certain ways of thinking that are other than Christ-like. See, abiding in Christ isn't difficult because Christ is far away from us. Scripture tells us Christ is near always. Psalms 34:18 says, "The Lord is near to the brokenhearted." Ephesians 2:13 tells us that now we have been brought near to God through the blood of Christ. Jesus himself told us that he wouldn't leave us as orphans, that he would never leave us or forsake us. In that same upper room conversation with the disciples, Jesus told his friends that the day was coming following his death and resurrection when, and this is a quote you will realize that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. The truth is that Jesus is with you presently. So there's nothing we need to do to bring God close or to get God's attention or to somehow make ourselves worthy enough to have Jesus come near. That's just not accurate. The reason abiding is difficult is because our hearts are restless. And our minds are running in a million directions, grasping at every distraction. We've learned to have our minds rest in these patterns of thought that we practice every day. But that means we can learn to practice abiding in Christ. See, the experience of abiding in Christ happens when we allow our minds and our hearts to rest in Christ, when we allow Christ to occupy our thoughts. I go into all of this in more detail in the last episode of the podcast, episode 19, How Abiding is Possible. So if you didn't catch that, go back and listen to that episode. But here's what's important about this. Do you see what this means? Abiding in Christ is not some reality reserved only for saints and mystics. It is a real experience that you can have. It comes down to learning to practice different thoughts, to train our minds to be attentive to the presence of Christ with us. Okay, all of that was lead up. All of that just sets a stage for why I'm going to make what I think is a strange recommendation to you. One of the most powerful tools available to you for building new mental habits is memorized prayer. Now, stick with me. You might be having a reaction when I just said that. Uh, It's a strange recommendation for me to make. I get it. I am a lifelong church kid raised in a church tradition that looked down on memorized prayers. I know a lot of people who grew up in evangelical church backgrounds that have that same trigger, right? We thought memorized prayers were just for kids, right? Sort of the now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. And if adults prayed memorized prayers, well, it was just, you know, some kind of empty ritual or shallow or inauthentic. I thought all of those things for a long time. I was taught that the best kind of prayer was Spontaneous. Technically, they're called extemporaneous prayers, right? That's the technical term for prayers that are just made up on the spot. You know, praying from the heart. Like a good prayer was supposed to be honest and real and something that you felt. Maybe like talking to your dad or maybe like talking to a friend. Now, that kind of prayer is fine. It's wonderful. It can be precious. It can be important. It can be a really wonderful way to lay out your heart before God. And it certainly can feel more relational than a rote prayer, a memorized prayer, or a liturgical prayer. So I do hope that you pray extemporaneous prayers. I hope that that's part of your spiritual life. One of the purposes of prayer is to express ourselves to God. So in Philippians 4 6, Paul told us to make our requests known to God in prayer. Extemporaneous prayer is how we do that, right? We tell God what we need, what we're thinking, what we're hoping for. We ask God for blessings and for forgiveness and for provision. But prayer has another purpose, an important purpose, and it's one that we miss out on if we only ever pray extemporaneous prayers. So, what's that purpose? I'll tell you in a minute. See, for most of the history of the Christian church, and long before that, through the whole history of Judaism, most of the prayers that people prayed were not extemporaneous prayers. Did you know that? Most prayers that people prayed were liturgical prayers. They were prayers you recited. You either read them from Scripture, or you read them in a prayer book, or you repeated them from memory, which was often the case. I mean, the entire book of Psalms, that largest book in the Bible by a long shot, it's filled with this kind of prayer. Many of us uh, picked up the idea that the Psalms was sort of a personal prayer journal, you know, David writing out his concerns to God, but that's not really accurate, even though there are a lot of intimate-sounding prayers in the book of Psalms. Most of the Psalms were written to be prayed or even sung by a group as a part of gathered worship. The Jewish people memorized the Psalms and other passages and they used those as prayers throughout their day. Christians for centuries did the same. In fact, for the first 400 years of the church, the book of Psalms was how Christians learned to pray. There's a reason that people have been using memorized prayers for thousands of years. When you pray a prayer that you've memorized, a prayer whose words express truth, and you repeat those words many times, you know, each day, over the months, over the years, those repeated words shape you. This is the other important purpose of prayer. That first purpose that many of us are familiar with is to express our hearts to God. Extemporaneous prayer is great for that. The second purpose is that prayer shapes our thinking. It shapes how we see God and ourselves. And the liturgical prayer, or memorized prayer, is especially good at this, because by saying those words over and over, especially when those words are scripture or when those words are rooted in scriptural truth, it helps us form new mental habits. So in Romans 12, the Apostle Paul told us that one of the ways we avoid being conformed to the pattern of this world is through the renewing of our mind. The renewing, the reforming of our mind, it happens by forming our mind around truth. Well, how does that take place? Well, in my evangelical heritage, the main way our minds were formed was through Bible study. That's important. Studying the Bible, learning what Scripture says, learning the truth that's embedded in those words, that's important. But Bible study has its own risk. Because Bible study can just easily become a way... To gather more and more information i know people i'm sure you know people who know the bible backwards and forwards they can quote verse and chapter and they're still terrible humans see they've collected all of these bible verses they've collected all this scripture they've collected all this truth they may even be staunch defenders of the right theology but all that information that they've gathered it has not formed them to be more like christ gathering information does not cause us to form new mental habits. And mental habits are the essential building block of the abiding life. Mental habits are only formed by practicing new ways of thinking. They're only formed by thinking certain thoughts over and over. This is how we build all the mental habits we already have. It's how we built the mental habit of worry. It's how we build the mental habit of anxiety. It's how we build the mental habit of being present to other people. Whatever thoughts we repeatedly focus on We practice that, we get better at it, it becomes more natural to us, it shapes our ongoing thinking. Now this is why liturgical or memorized prayer is so important. When we pray truth repeatedly, we practice those words and they become embedded in our minds and hearts. And that second purpose of prayer comes to fruition. Prayer forms us. All right, today's podcast is kind of a bridge. There are a lot of great memorized prayers. Scripture is full of them. There are really deep, profound examples from all different theological and denominational streams of our faith. But the practice that really impacted my spiritual life that I'm going to be sharing with you in the upcoming episodes was the use of one very specific memorized prayer. I'm going to share the prayer with you. I'm going to share why it's been so revolutionary for me. But before I could share that, we needed to start here. When we pray what's on our hearts, just speaking the words that come naturally, we're expressing ourselves to God. That's important. That's extemporaneous prayer. It should be a part of our spiritual lives. But that kind of prayer will be shaped by the mental habits we've already built, right? If we're praying what's naturally on our heart and minds, then the mental habits we already have will form those prayers. When we pray prayers that carry truth, words that have been used over and over by our spiritual elders, words that we find in Scripture, words that carry good, healthy theology, when we repeat those words so frequently that they become a part of us, those prayers shape our thinking. And that begins to influence the automatic habitual thoughts that just spring to mind. And that means those memorized prayers have the capacity to enable us to learn how to abide in Christ in a more tangible way. Starting in the next episode, I'm going to share with you this memorized prayer that has so deeply impacted me. But today, I want you just to consider the idea of using prayer as a way to form your mind. This is part of growing up in Christ. May you hear the invitation of the Spirit to a deeper way of living. May you hear the call to a life that is more about remaining and abiding and less about rushing and being driven. Thanks for listening. If you like what you're hearing in this podcast or you're finding this helpful for your spiritual journey, you can bring it to your community. I'm scheduling speaking engagements through next year. I talk about practical spiritual growth, the inner life, just like this content that we talked about today. I also talk about emotional discipleship and how crucial it is for us to mature emotionally as a part of growing in Christ. That's the whole topic of my book, The Wisdom of Your Heart discovering the God-given power and purpose of your emotions. And I would love to bring this message to your community. Want to check my availability? There's a link in the show notes that can get that conversation started. And I've already mentioned the upcoming Untangled Heart Workshop. It's coming up in Vancouver, Washington on June 1st. There's a link for more information and you can register in the notes. I would love to meet you there in person. I think it would be really impactful for your personal and spiritual growth. Finally, if you found this conversation helpful today, there are two things that you can do. If you haven't already, subscribe. You can subscribe in iTunes, you can subscribe in any other podcast catcher app out there, that way you will never miss an episode. If you prefer the video version, then go to my YouTube channel and subscribe. Hit the subscribe button, hit the bell so you get notifications and then you'll always be able to catch the video version when it comes out. Subscribe and you won't miss any of the rest of the conversation. That's especially important because this is a series that's gonna last four or five episodes and you're gonna wanna catch every single part. The other thing that you can do that would be really helpful is to take one or two minutes and rate or review the podcast. Your review helps other people decide if this podcast is worth listening to. And If you think it is worth listening to, then just a couple sentences explaining why you think it's worth your time, that would be helpful to people looking at podcasts. It would be a gift to me. You can write that review in, uh, in iTunes or Apple's podcast app. I'd be grateful. And as always, you'll find the show notes for today's episode, including all the relevant links, at wwwmarkallenshelskycom forward slash TAW020. Until next time, remember this. In this one present moment, you are loved. You are known. You are not alone.